Hello and welcome to the Diabetes Dugout with Brighty and Peachy, brought to you by the Diabetes Football Community. This is your regular dose of all things football and diabetes as we bring you the stories of those affected by the condition who have a love of the sport. Everything we share and talk about on this podcast is from personal experience and if you have any concerns about the management of your condition, you should always check in with a healthcare professional. Now, with all that said, let's crack on with the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Diabetes Dugout. It's been a while since we've done one of these, but it's good to be back. Joining me as always, my co-host, Mr. Christopher Bright. Brighty, how are we doing? I'm very well, mate. How are you doing? And it has been quite a while since we've done one of these. There's, There's a lot that's happened in that time as well. I think we've got, obviously we've had the Euros and the the success or not success of um, England in the tournament, but it's a success. I think if you're a, a big England fan, you're going to see that as a success. It's a step forward, isn't it? Surely, you know, you go from um, having not reached many major tournament late stages to uh, two semi-finals in the Nations League and the uh, World Cup, and then you get to a final of the Euros. I think any England fan would put that down as a, as a success and a step forward. I completely agree. And, and just, um, just out of interest in the, in the WhatsApp group, we've got, there was a lot of knocking of Gareth Southgate before the tournament. And, and after the first couple of games, were, were you, um, were you one of the ones that was for him or against him? Just, just remind us. Well, you know, as an out, out, outsider with my Wales hat on, I can look at things a little bit more. Um, let's call it, objectively and I was saying that Gareth Southgate was doing all of the right things from what I could see um I'd listened to a few things that he'd put in the media I'd listened to a couple of podcasts where he'd spoken about the environment the way he coached the connections with players and I thought he was saying all the right things so I actually believed before the tournament that England were going to do well and that Gareth Southgate was going to lead them to doing very well and John what happened, mate? Well, I think your point was proven. Your knowledge, we all bow to it. Um, I, I'd say I, I was I was a fan of Southgate before the tournament. I think he does he does it well. Um, I think he's brought back that being being part of a, a national team representing your country as well, and and a bit of pride in it, um, and and that it means something to people and and the fans. I think we've missed that for for quite a while, but. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely delighted to to be in the final. Obviously, not with the result, but um, no, it was good. We've we've also had our first session back as well, haven't we, in Worcester? We have. We had the first session back in uh, late June. Thought it went really well. It was a pleasure. We had uh, new faces, um, some existing faces that have been involved for a while. Different venue, so different challenges around that, and getting used to our new environment playing futsal outdoors as well and and trying to integrate new people to that idea as well as using an environment which isn't built for futsal was a challenge to me as a coach. But I thought it went well. I don't know what you thought, mate, but I thought it was a really positive step and it was just amazing to see the guys 
back together after what was about 15 months since we've mm. done the last session prior to the pandemic. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And obviously, I, I don't want to give too much away because we've we've got a podcast um, all about our first session back and, and interviews with people, people on their first session, first time with us, um, interviews with you, how it was going. So I think that's um, that'll probably be one of our next ones out once we once we piece it together. Yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that one because it is yeah. a good one, you know, discussing the the ins and outs of the session and the views of those people involved as well. So I think that would be a really great one for anybody looking at some insight around what we do, how we deliver the day and hopefully the outcomes that we bring about for those that are involved. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the, the biggest news um, since we've done our last one, is it true that you are now verified on Twitter? you now have a blue tick <laughs> oh john <laughs> i i almost knew that this was going to come up on the podcast and um i wouldn't want to let you down <laughs> <laughs> i didn't expect it to be a talking point to discuss on the diabetes dugout but um i guess it is true i have got the the infamous i guess blue tick on twitter and um yeah, there's not much else to say about it than I. Then yes, John, it is true. I do. I have got. I have been verified on Twitter. You've made it. So if, if you're lucky enough to still have Brighty speak to you, um, it, it does take a lot of communication to try and get through to him. He, he's a busy man now. He's a popular man, but he's still got time for us mere mortals. <laughs> John, you talk like I've, just, I've disappeared. I speak to you every single day. The yeah. People might not realise it's me and you literally speak every single yeah. day. Nothing has changed. Nothing no. will change. The blue tick is just a social <laughs> uh, society piece of status, apparently, that can be useful. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to have it, but hopefully, uh, <laughs> well, it won't, it won't change my approach to, to who I am or, or who I speak to for sure. Uh, good, it's good. It is, it, I think it will be, um, joking aside, I think it's something that um, as the diabetes football community, we can use to our advantage in terms of outreach to people. Um, and just, yeah, I think there's, there's lots of opportunities that, that will come from it. Yeah, no, I think I think you might be right. Um, I've seen a, we've we've talked about it already. I know a couple of opportunities that it's created as a result of of that um blue tick if you like so hopefully we can use that like you said to support the work that we're doing and the objectives that we have for the future john i'm sure you would agree that it, uh, as much as we are having a laugh about it it can be a useful thing for us for the future yeah definitely definitely um so onto the podcast this week it's a strange one we um i i flew solo on this one without no brighty yeah, um, arguably, John, you've created a better episode than um, because I'm not there. Well, I did want to say it, but I'm glad you <laughs> I'm glad you realised that having listened back. Um, I think the the other thing that was was incredible is actually I got to record one in person or or in persons because I had the the privilege of sitting down with JT and Rossa. Um, both of them live in Bristol, same as me, so we arranged to to meet up. Um, Hottest day of the year, not ideal to be stuck inside doing a podcast, but um, no, it was good. And, and and just we just sat and chat and told a few stories. And I think it's um, I think it's a really 
really powerful one just just listening to it and and I, I'm always a fan of the diagnosis stories and um, how people still continue to play football and, and what those early days were like and I, I was really sort of engrossed in, in in what they were both saying about it and, and two two quite different um, views um, and experiences of it as well. Yeah and having listened to it myself back in your conversation it's brilliant to hear the way that you bounce off each other which I think comes across by the fact that you were in person which is brilliant that we've been able to produce a podcast where people are actually sat over each other talking rather than just doing it completely remotely as we've done so far on this podcast and like you said John I think they've got some amazing stories they share stories with me as well from you know Diuro which is always a hugely fond memory that I have, both tournaments that I've been to and helped to sort of organise. And also, like you said, their diagnosis stories, which are hugely impactful. Talk about the challenges, talk about the dangers, talk, talk about the symptoms, which I think are always super, super important to highlight whenever we do one of these podcasts. So I thought it was a really, really fascinating listen. And hopefully everybody that, that gets the chance to listen to this episode will think the same. Absolutely. Enjoy the listen. Welcome back to the Diabetes Dugout. It's been a long time since we've done one of these podcasts. Um, it's a good one today because we've managed to get rid of Brighty. So it's me running solo with me. We are doing the first ever podcast in person. Normally we're doing them over Zoom. Today I've got with me two veterans of TDFC. I've got John Tyrrell, and John Rosser, also known as JT and Rosser. How are we doing, boys? Not bad, cheers. Yeah, good, Peachy. Good to see you again, mate. Yeah. Uh, we, we've picked the hottest day of the year to record inside. JT said he's got an air-conditioned flat that we can go in. <laughs> it turns out he's got a window that opens and uh, the sun's shining in. And about a thousand steps yeah. to get up here. This is like altitude training, just getting up into his flat. But we're all good. We're all good ready to go um what we're going to talk a lot about today is about diuro experience um and we've talked in previous podcasts about the diuros but just getting the story from two people who have been to two tournaments and finding out what it's really like um lots of stories lots of ones that um, will hopefully inspire people inspire youngsters but also inspire members of the community who are going to want to come and take part in whenever the next tournament might be first thing i really want to talk about um we ask every guest this just a little bit about their diagnosis um so rossa can you talk us through a little bit about your diagnosis how old you were um your your how you discovered you were diabetic and, and what it meant to you yeah sure so i i've been diabetic for 18 years so got diagnosed when I was 10. Um, I've listened to the previous podcast and obviously speaking to some of the boys involved with TDFC, listen to their stories and mine's pretty similar, a lot of similarities. But the one thing I would say is I sort of consider myself quite lucky to be fair because my dad was very aware of type 1 diabetes. His mum, so my grandma, was a diabetic type 1. Um, so I remember it was um, just start of summer, I think, just before the school holidays. Um, 
my dad was noticing I was just up and down to the tap all day, just filling up glasses of water, drinking them, and then the next minute off to the toilet. Um, so he he cottoned on to this pretty quickly, um, got me to pee in a pot, um, took me up the doctors. Um, he did a sort Six of steps. yeah yeah. So he did sort of like a test. On the on the little on the little sample that I gave him, and um, yeah, sort of said, right, you need to go home, pack a bag, um, and get to Southmead, basically. Um, being a ten-year-old, I didn't really know what was going on, to be honest. My dad obviously knew, but trying to pick the pick up on hints off your parents when you're kind of ten years old, sort of quite quite difficult to do. So. I was kind of a bit oblivious, sort of on the drive back home. Um, there were sort of certain points where the kind of magnitude of it did kind of start to drop. Mm. So, as you know, there's when we were driving back home, he kind of said to me, "Oh, try not to get upset when we tell your mum and things like that." And I was thinking, <laughs> "What do you mean, get upset? We're just going, just going to the hospital. It's yeah. not a big deal." Um, so yeah. Packed a bag off to the hospital, um, sort of flurry of nurse activity when I got there, showing me to bed on the children's ward in Southmead. Um, lots, of, yeah, lots of other kids there, um, sort of who'd had operations and things like that. So um, it's quite sort of a communal feel, like yeah, there's kids yeah. there making friends on the ward and stuff. But I, you know, at this point, I still thought I was only going to be there for maybe a few hours a day or something. Yeah. And, um, and you mentioned that your grandma was diabetic. Yeah. Did what did what did you know of diabetes based on on your grandma being diabetic? Yeah, so I actually I'd never met my dad's mum. Um so I didn't really know anything. Um he'd never mentioned it before. Um but obviously since my diagnosis my dad has sort of started to reveal to me sort of things that she went through. Um I mean, back in the day, you know, she was, there was no sort of reusable pens and things like that. She was using the massive syringes and things like that. And, you know, stories of my dad saying that he used to sell the syringes to his friends so they could get splinters out of their fingers <laughs> and things like that. So I think, it's, you know, it was a completely different world back then. Um, so I think, it, I think it gave him a bit of comfort knowing that, sort of treatment and coping mechanisms now are a lot better because I think he was quite anxious about me being diagnosed because of what he knew about it from his mum. But kind of once he realised that management and coping and monitoring sugars and things have sort of come on quite a lot since those days, that kind of put him at ease a little bit. Um, But yeah, going back to the diagnosis, I remember going into hospital and them having to, you know, walk me around the hospital, doing laps of the hospital to try and get my sugars down <laughs> because they were too high. Um, was the competitive side of you quite enjoying that? Yeah, like, it, yeah, it was quite funny, to be fair, because every time these nurses would come and do a test and it just wouldn't read because it would just say high on the meter, you know, <laughs> and they'd be like, oh, for God's sake, I have to go on another little stroll. And <laughs> so, um, did, did that mean anything to you, just seeing high on a meter? No, not did at it? all, like... I, I didn't really have a clue what they were doing. It was just, I guess in my mind, they were just doing doing tests to try and make me better. It was kind of my mindset. 
Um, but it wasn't until they started kind of teaching me and my parents like how to actually inject insulin and giving me glucose meters like this is what you're going to need now and I'm thinking what for the rest of my life do you know what I mean that kind of that kind of mindset um and other things as well like my sister come to visit me I think I was in hospital for about five five days maybe um my sister come to visit me and bought me uh like a pack of grapes and you know so I'm sat there in my bed watching the tv chomping away on these grapes and the nurse comes in like has a panic attack and snatches the grapes away you can't eat them you can't eat them i'm like what are you on about it's fruit it's healthy yeah. and she's like no these are full of like natural sugars you need to stay off these for a bit and i'm kind of thinking well if i can't eat grapes what am i what yeah. am i going to eat yeah. do you know what i mean so just little things like that where the penny starts to drop do you know what i mean and um yeah, just guess an accumulation of those things starts to make you realise, um, like, what's in store, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, JT, how about you? What was your, what was your <laughs> diagnosis story? Diagnosis for me was, uh, I actually think of pretty near where I live now was the time that I realised something really wasn't quite right. So, um, just down the road from where we are now is walking back up very steep hill kind of near St Michael's Mount um, just been in town with my mum and I, I literally just couldn't get up the hill <laughs> so we were just walking up and I, I just didn't have the energy to, to get up the hill and I remember my mouth just felt like it was kind of covered in velvet I just I'd try and open it and it was just bone dry and I drank like so much that day and I just, I, yeah so I knew at that time something was pretty wrong and to be honest I think it probably been about like a long time for me that I'd not felt quite right. I think a lot of my teachers at school knew that as well, and I think my parents were thinking something's not quite right here. But I think at that age, I was 15 at the time, and I think no one quite knows whether you're just being a moody teenager or whether, you know, there's something <clears throat> actually has really significantly changed. In this case, obviously it had. So, yeah, um, I think I remember probably maybe a, two, three weeks before that as well, being at school and just not having the energy to stand up at times. I'd kind of lean against the lockers and stuff because I was just knackered the whole time, basically. So, yeah, that that was kind of um, the build-up to it. I think I'd take two litres of water to bed at night, drink them all, and then go for a pee two or three times a night as well. So all those kind of things, if, if you tell a GP that you've got that going on, they pretty quickly know that it's likely you've got diabetes so yeah similar to Rossa I went off to the GPs on a Monday I, I didn't have a clue obviously that I might have diabetes I think I knew the same as you from my parents I could tell that they were thinking there might be something that's pretty not quite right here so I went off to the GPs I think it was yeah I think it was on a Monday morning and then sat in there saw my saw my usual GP who I, yeah I guess it was in the days when you'd see, see the same GP all the time, so it was quite, felt sort of relatively safe, normal kind of chat there, and then did one of those sort of finger pricks, old school one where they jab a little, feels like they just jab a pin into your finger. Just just to hurt you, basically. Yeah, basically it was because like... now, now you use the tiny little firing machine and it just kind of goes on the surface, whereas this, it was like a drawing pin and just like <laughs> ran it into the middle of my finger. You sure it was it's a like, GP ah! you were seeing and not yeah. just someone trying to hurt you? Um, anyway, uh, that, yeah, so did the test. I think it was 36 at the time, right. um, which is... That's yeah, high. That's high. Yeah, that's very high. So same as you, Ross. I went off to Southmead, um, 
And it's weird because like you go, you've just gone to the GP, which is like normal, and then you come back and you're like, your life's never the same again. Mm. Uh, I remember when I went in, yeah, the needles were 16 mil at the time. I don't know what they were for you guys, but that's like, yeah, so now they're 5 mil needles, so that's quite a lot. Yes, <laughs> so I remember in hospital, first being in hospital, and I wasn't using the pens or anything, it was literally like the little syringes with yeah, the orange yeah, yeah. caps, and the needles yeah, yeah. were absolutely massive. Yeah, like that. Yeah, like proper scary as like a young kid. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah, just jabbing it into your leg, and I think I yeah, I remember doing the first ever injection in my stomach, and just being like, "What's going to happen?" Because it just feels it felt really strange to put a needle in my stomach because you think, "What if it goes too far and like <laughs> hits an organ or something?" But um, yeah, so anyway, that was kind of what I remember of the initial diagnosis. Same kind of probably a couple of days in the hospital for me, I think. Um, it's weird because when you're you're younger, a lot of your memories just merge into one, but. Yeah, I think I, I didn't realise quite how much my life would never be the same again in a way. But at the same time, I think before I'd been diagnosed, all I knew of diabetes was Gary Mabbott. Um, Sir Gary Mabbott. Sir Sir Gary Mabbott. <laughs> Sorry, Gary. Um, He'll be, he's listening. Yeah, I know he is. Yeah. Um, Edit that out. <laughs> here, so yeah. um, and then I had a friend at school who had diabetes as well. And in a weird way, I think I always thought, oh, it's a good thing because you get to eat sweets um, at half time or you know you get to eat more sweets um so yeah same just kind of beginning to realize at that age how much stuff would be different from then on um and then just went back home and carried on um i remember the first time i had a hypo was quite a you know big big moment because yeah. you're, you're you've been told you'll have this strange sensation that you've not had before um and i was thinking you know what's what's that going to be like? Um, yeah, and I just remember it. I, I describe it as like a hollow feeling. So it was it was genuinely a feeling I'd never had before, and it was quite sudden. So I thought this would be a hypo, and I think a test at the time. I think it was only eight point six. I think it was eight point six or something, just because um, my levels had obviously been so high at thirty six. I think the first time they'd come down yeah. from that and dropped a bit. Um, yeah, so that that I remember is a kind of quite a big memory from the time as well um yeah that's that's yeah it's interesting like hearing your stories and other guys stories like go back to where I sort of said I consider myself quite lucky that my dad sort of recognized it straight away because you say you struggled to walk up a hill and feeling proper rubbish for a couple of weeks I do not remember feeling bad at all I was playing football the week before the weekend before stuff i like i don't remember feeling bad at all so that's that's why i sort of consider you know my dad clocking onto it yeah, early yeah. like pretty lucky but you know yeah Cause strange I, mean, I i hear some people where they they had had their levels so high for so long they nearly went into a, a coma or you know and then for me i think I, yeah i i thought with a bit of kind of hindsight, 36 was like a really high level to be diagnosed with. But I think to hear stories and a lot of people that's around that are similar. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it probably is pretty fortunate in a way to have people around you that know what to look out for. And I think that's one of the things that's quite good to, to like tell people about is if you're suddenly making two litres of water at night, it might be worth getting I think that, that's something that, you see um, Diabetes UK are really pushing their 
with the four T's now and yeah. trying to educate people. Yeah. I think there's so much more out there that hopefully people recognise the symptoms <clears throat> earlier and, and, and can catch it earlier. Um, I just want to pick up on something that you said there, Ross. It was, and you, you mentioned about having played football the week before um, and, and, and felt absolutely fine. Do you remember at all your, your, your first game back or your, your first few games back after diagnosis? You're nodding your head straight away. Yeah, I, this is like a really sort of vivid kind of memory I have of like that kind of journey in like the start of life as a diabetic. Do you know what I mean? I remember the doctors saying, um, you know, talking to me about exercise and playing sport because as a kid I was bang into everything I played football cricket I do athletics go swimming like anything you can name I was doing it um but football was the main thing um and I remember talking to the doctors and you could sort of get a sense they were a bit kind of anxious you know sort of said a bit kind of anxious about giving me the green light to just go and play football and things like that you know talking about the risk of hypos saying something that you would never have experienced before you need to be really careful doing exercise because this can happen um and it's quite scary hearing them say that and um so they we my dad was kind of pushing the doctors as well like being like come on there must we need a plan to be able to allow him to get back to what he likes doing so the doctors kind of come up with a plan to be like right okay so the first game you go back this is what you need to do, like eat, eat this meal before, um, check your levels, you know, before you go to football, before you start warming up, before the game. And then, you know, they said, right, you can only play 20 minutes of the game and then you'll have to come off, you know. So in my mind, I was like, OK, buzzing, I'm allowed to play, thinking, ah, well, the doctor's not going to be there. If I, feel, <laughs> if I feel fine, I can just crack on. But... So my dad had had a word with the coach and everything and made everyone aware. So 20 minutes in, playing, playing the game. I can't remember if we were winning or not, but, you know. Probably if you'd been playing. Probably. Probably scored a few. <laughs> and... um, but anyway, yeah, I just remember getting a shout from the coach being like, you need to come off now. And I was like, what are you on about? I was feeling absolutely fine. Like my sugars and stuff before the game were where they needed to be and things like that. And I'd eaten and every, done everything to the dock and the coach is yanking me off and my dad's sort of saying come on you need to come off and I was fuming I, <laughs> like, I honestly I was fuming and you know then like the next game after that it would be like okay you can play a half and then you know and it, I just felt like so restricted all I wanted to do was just get back to playing um so yeah that's something I remember massively yeah as, as, uh, as a 10 year old being told <laughs> you've got to come off after 20 minutes because of a medical condition you've got must have been hard to take when you see all your mates can stay on did it did it feel as though um it was unfair that, that it was like you were being picked on or did you just yeah. go this is how it's going to be yeah I guess or, there was a bit of that it was like I think the feeling as well of like being yanked off and you know some of the kids in the team as well who were uh, possibly weren't made aware of like the situation kind of looking and being yeah. like, what's going on with him then? Do you yeah. know what I mean? And some of the parents on the sideline, you know, like all the parents and all the kids, like it's quite a close-knit yeah. group. You know, everyone would be there every Saturday, so everyone knows each other really well. So some of the parents were kind of 
you know, looking at what, why is, why is he coming off then after 20 minutes, you know? And it was kind of like, you know, yeah, all just, these people thinking like, what, what's going on with him? I didn't like it. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. Did it affect your confidence? I wouldn't say it affected my confidence. I, I'd say it just annoyed me more than anything, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Did, did your teammates know that you were now a diabetic? So Yeah, so that first game, I think it was, I think a few people had been made aware and some of the kids who played I went to school with, so they were aware. But there was obviously people who sort of come in from outside the sort of usual circles um, who, after the first game, were sort of made aware of it and stuff as well. So everyone sort of knew quite quick on, but it was... Yeah, that first game, I just, yeah, remember that feeling, yeah. Hard, hard to take. Yeah. Did, did it get, like, when you, you, you said about, like, the next game you could play a half, <laughs> do, do you remember what the, like, how long it took before you were allowed to play a whole game? Yeah, I think I think it was pretty quick, to be fair, because, like I said, like, the first, the games where I got, took off after 20 minutes and stuff, like, we'd done everything, like, me and my dad, and, because it, it's, I'm sure you two can relate. It's like a team effort to start yeah. when you first get diagnosed. Like family is so important. Um, yeah. So my dad was so helpful, um, you know, making sure that I was testing. Because he wanted me to play as well. He didn't want me to be going hypo before the game, mm. so then I couldn't play at all, you know. So we were doing everything to the, the letter of the law, if you like. Um, so, yeah. I, I used to have... Um a strap around my wrist it was okay. like it had a little zip on and i used to keep um energy tablets in there wouldn't like, this is back in the mid 80s yeah. so it wasn't it wasn't uh like we weren't told well you've got to test before you play it was just well go and play and if you go low have something to eat or have a, a mini mars at half time the mini mars With, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I got to, i got to put on the mini mars bars like be put on prescription for these yes. things. <laughs> it was the, the food of choice at the time, I think. Yeah. Um, JT, what about you? With like, Obviously, you're, yeah. you, you were a bit older, so at, at 15, you've, um, you've been playing for quite a few years, and um, all of a sudden now you, you've, you, you, you've had this, what, uh, basically a life-changing experience. How did you find your, your first game back, your first few games? How did you, how did you adapt to it? Yeah, I mean, it's like... Similar in some ways, but then different in others. I think one thing I really notice is, is that the first person you talk to about playing sport around diabetes, it makes a massive difference as to how you frame up that whole thing. Because I think for me, the, the, the people I chatted to, but they, they were very supportive of playing sport. They said, you know, that would be fine. Classic, you need to probably have like a mini Mars bar before you play, just keep an eye on your sugar level. So I, I didn't have that same kind of fear of thinking this is something that could be really dangerous I think for me more it was probably there was quite a big difference between what I'd been told to do and what I then discovered actually worked for me playing sport so I think at that point in my life I'd, I'd basically I'd not I'd not been playing a lot of football I'd, I'd gone to a school where I had to play rugby which um, I hated to be honest but um, I, I got to play football again so I played a lot of football probably till I was like 11 no I'd not played a lot and I think around the time I got diagnosed was around the time I'd started playing football again so um it all felt a little bit new anyway um interestingly i've got quite a bad memory for my i don't know if it's like my first game back but it was definitely one of the, the first few was at school and um 
I think because I've been told to take sugar before I played, I'd had like a Lucasade at the side, I'd had a few sips of that, and then my sugar level skyrocketed. So I remember testing them at, I don't know, like half time or something. I think they were like 16 or 18 or something, and I felt horrendous. So I just I, I didn't feel like I could run normally or anything. And I said to my teacher, um, I need a little break, like my sugar levels aren't great. And he said to me, well, if you're going to use that as an excuse, then fine. Ooh. You're just thinking, well, that's harsh at that age. Yeah. You don't, you know, it's the first time you're dealing with it. You don't know what's going on. And, and um, was that was that naivety on his part? Was it? Like, malice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, to be honest, because, I mean, it's, yeah, it sounds, he wasn't a difficult teacher, but, I yeah, it was just, it was really unhealthy thing to hear, obviously, because you're kind of thinking, this is completely new ground. I don't quite know. Like what's going on myself, and like like you said, Ross, like you need that support from people around you makes such a difference at that point because you just feel it makes you feel like you know people are on your back. And I think yes, that was strange. I got I, I just I was like oh it's a bit weird. So I I, I waited for my sugar levels to come back down. I think but it's that whole thing of yeah, it just added to that sense of pressure. And, and for me, yeah, I, I think I genuinely felt, and I probably still do, that when my sugar levels aren't great, it does affect my performance. And I think I've got used to I'll just play through that personal level that there was a reason that I couldn't play as well but it's recognizing that actually for me a big part of playing playing sport and trying to play at a good level you're aware that people are continually watching your performance and they make notes on that and they make decisions based on that so for me the consistency of being able to play well regularly was a big thing and it upset me that I knew at times I wasn't playing as well not down to my own ability but down to how I was managing diabetes yeah. and so I think that was that that did that upset me probably that was my main source of frustration to be honest more than anything was thinking um I want everything to be right so that I can play at my best but it's quite it took a long time to get used to that yeah for me the main journey was basically don't I found that again obviously everyone's different so it's important to work out what works for you but for me having any kind of extra sugar before I played was really unhelpful it would always make my levels high but I found that in that kind of after I played for an hour, probably, and then for the day after, particularly so three or four hours after, my levels would drop like crazy. So I'd really have to eat like a lot of food just to keep them normal, but I'd do that normally after I'd finished, yeah. and that worked really well. So I think once I stopped eating sugar before I played, I actually felt like I was able to carry on to normal, and that's pretty much been the case since, which is good. Yeah, that's strange that you say that, where like the initial advice that you were given after diagnosis was to have a mini Mars or a bit of Lucasade or something before the game. Yeah. It's almost as if they kind of like, they give you advice to try and avoid you going 100%. hypo during the game, but, you know, don't really take in many other factors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all they're kind of worried about is you having a really bad hypo and ending back up in hospital, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, Where, like you say everyone kind of just has to work out what works for them, I guess. And yeah. I, I think that's part of like your, your doctors that we would have all seen early on in diagnosis, diabetic specialists, yeah, but actually diabetes and sport is, is a whole sort of different ball game because they might be dealing with diabetics who um, just, just like to go out, maybe go out on their bike. As children, like, we're always quite active. Um, all in the age before PlayStation and Xbox and being sat on that the whole time. So for me, it was always out in the back garden or up to the local park, have a kick around. So so you're always quite active anyway. And the the effect of all of a sudden playing sport, I mean, I, 
I, I didn't particularly like the, the doctor that I saw when I was diagnosed. And I know my mum didn't particularly like him either and felt it was just, uh, well, just keep your blood sugars stable. And if they were slightly higher, he'd, he'd tell you off, but not necessarily help you out as to why. So it was... Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that. I, yeah. I, I saw this... Um, oh. Uh, in the ghetto yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the sirens going by <laughs> um, yeah I can definitely relate to that Peach. I, I saw this guy for a bit who um, you know back in the days of keeping your glucose diaries you know with oh, yeah. the, you know you write the date in before tea write it all down and I used to go in and he'd sort of demand the diary straight away you know and sit down and he'd get his red pen out and he'd just circle all the all the results yeah. that weren't weren't right you know and looks at you each time yeah, yeah it kind of makes you feel like you've been like yeah. a bad bad schoolboy or something yeah, like that and yeah i so i definitely relate to that feeling yeah i, I soon cottoned on and oh i've left my diary at home yeah I'm really sorry oh, have you got your meter and we can we can have a look yeah sorry i've left that at home as well <laughs> yeah. i don't want you checking trust yeah. me yeah definitely just um what one final question just just on that um you talked about the the diagnosis going back to playing as um, as time sort of gone on, how open have you been with with teammates about being <clears throat> diabetic? Um, so for me, it's I've never up until recent years I've never sort of been oh I'm diabetic not through um, shame of it or not wanting to share it. I think just I guess not wanting to be seen as different to anyone else. Whereas now I'll be quite open about it. I guess it's more. It's more sort of out there through TDFC and, and through social media platforms and being, I guess, being more proud about it now. But for years, I, I was never, never really wanted to tell anyone. As a, as a youngster, obviously, the, the coaches and manager would know, but and a couple of parents. But I, I wasn't, what well, I didn't really want people to know. Yeah, 100%. I, I feel like I have similar feelings to what you've just said there. Um, when I first got diagnosed, obviously the team I was playing for then, like 10, 11 years old, was like a local team, sort of like I said earlier, sort of quite a close-knit circle of friends and parents and things. Um, but as I got older um, and I was playing, you know, regular sport at like secondary school, so I was in like the football teams, the rugby teams, athletic squads, all that kind of stuff, um, and playing football, I moved um, to go and play up at Forest Green. And exactly the same as you, I, did, I didn't want anyone to know. It's, it's so strange, isn't yeah. it? I, I didn't want people to know. So, you know, testing and stuff, I test in the car before going to, to meet the team, if we're playing away or whatever. Yeah. Test in the car before, and then maybe not do another test. Yeah. Which sounds crazy now, because like my management routine now like with the Libra and stuff, I'm always scanning, like, it's, I'll do it anywhere. Yeah. Um, but back, back when I was like 15, 16, kind of in those teenage years, yeah, I, I didn't want anyone to know that I was different. Um, I didn't want people asking questions. Um, like if I was injecting insulin, I didn't want people seeing me do it and being like, what the hell's that? Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't want to have to explain to people. I felt, I guess in a way I felt like the kind of, not the burden, but like the responsibility of managing the condition 
was like enough to worry about and I yeah. didn't want to have to like justify that to a changing room um so yeah I like you say the coach is new um and people like that but I'd say when I was playing at like Forest Forest Green for example I don't really think I told many people there that I was diabetic um and there was times where I would play through hypos or you know I would say that I want to come off just so I could drink some Lucas Aid yeah. and then you know in the days of like rolling subs be like oh I'm fine now and come back on um and not give people the real reason um and yeah I guess I think I'd listen to Brighty talk about where it was just like you know you don't want people to see it as like a weakness um especially when you're sort of in a more kind of pressured environment yeah. in sport and JC, you mentioned it earlier, you feel like there's people watching you all the time. Your performance is always under, under scrutiny. Yeah. Um, and kind of any excuse that anyone could have to maybe leave you out or choose someone ahead of you, you don't want to make that decision easy for them. Yeah. Um, you want to be sort of judged on merit. And I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, but I'd say my attitude now is completely different. And I think that is largely down to getting involved with TDFC um you know it was quite a I'm sure we'll talk about this later but it was quite a proud moment to be sort of selected for the for the Diori teams yeah. and stuff like that and all of the the publicity on social media and things like that so a lot of my friends were seeing it through my socials and things um and asking me about it and then that was sort of sparking conversation about it and you know I was starting to realize then that these people weren't asking questions because they saw it as something that was like wrong with me. A lot of the questions were just because they were interested. Um, and you know, it was a great opportunity to just make people more aware of the condition. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd say my attitude now is completely done a 180 and <clears throat> I kind of find myself taking any opportunity to sort of talk about yeah. diabetes yeah. with people, especially wearing the Libra and stuff now. When people see that and ask what it is, you know, I, I'll explain to them what it is, the condition that I live with, yeah. um, how it affects me. And, you know, people are kind of more interested rather than judgmental. So, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, some of that very similar story and then some a little bit different. I don't know whether that's because I, I was a little bit older when I was diagnosed, but I, I never really tried to hide it. But I also never tried to actually actively promote that I had diabetes as well. So it's more stuff like I'd probably inject in the changing room. I would do blood tests in the changing room. And then quite often people would, I guess at that age, people would, would sometimes ask, sometimes not. I think as I've got older, it's more been a case of genuinely probably a few people have like wondered what I was injecting yeah. before matches. And so they'd, they'd then either feel a bit awkward and not ask or it, sometimes it was easier to say I've got diabetes. Um, so I think for me... When I was younger, I'd probably just tell the manager, maybe one or two other people close to me, but then I'd try and not hide it. But then as I've got older, I've probably been a bit more open to actually, if it doesn't seem like a weird thing to say, in a particular moment, just being like, by the way, I've got diabetes. So, and then, yeah, you might see me just the game or something like that. Yeah. Um, Ross just cracking open a can of diabetes. I, I, I tried to do it quietly. <laughs> <laughs> with, with the tea towel, but I don't know how many drinks we've got through. It's just... Um, got them lined up here. That's right. I've got. Going to be fine for the last few. Um, yeah. So I think um, 
yeah, that that has changed though for me with I'd say now I probably feel a lot more like it's a good thing to talk about having diabetes, whereas I think before I'd always be like I'd only talk about it if I felt like it um it would be bad not to. Um, or it would cause, you know, it, it would be weird not to. So yeah. I'd, I'd probably, I wouldn't overtly hide it, but I'd also not actively talk about it. Whereas I think a lot of my friends have said stuff like, oh, you, you, you kind of bang on about it a lot more now than I used to. And yeah, I yeah. That, that for me has changed again. TDFC has probably massively helped with, with just actually feeling like, A, it's really good to raise awareness of, you know, what life is like for me when I'm playing sport, because I think anything like that is, is helpful for people to understand more and to see more and to recognise, you know, some of the decisions you're having to make, some of the things you have to think about and what they might be able to do to help. So I think that that's changed for me a lot. Um, and stuff like having a Libra on, similarly, like, um, a lot of people ask me what it is and then that kind of sparks conversation as well. Yeah, no, really good. Yeah, I think, like, um, sort of in my teenage years and stuff, going back to the fact that I'd, like, try and hide it and things like that, it was almost a feeling as if, you know, I kind of felt that, I, it, I was like alone in dealing with the condition at that point because I didn't know any other diabetics. Um, so it was like, it's, it's my condition. This is what I have to live with. Um, I have to deal with it, playing sport and stuff. Like no one else really needs to, to kind of worry about, about it or I don't need to explain it to anyone else. But I guess sort of meeting lots of other people who have gone through very similar experiences with diagnosis with playing sport playing football kind of opened my eyes to there's a big community out there who have all gone through the same thing i have yeah and now is yeah it's just helped me to kind of talk about it more openly yeah definitely i think i, w- I was quite lucky in that way because um there was there was a, a, a kid at school same year as me that was was good at sport and had diabetes uh, probably a couple of years before me so i I'd, I'd seen him do some of the stuff that I was then doing, so I think that probably helped a lot. And then similarly, I mean, even like, because um, I played quite a bit of futsal, similar with Brighty, and I think had since since probably being in changing rooms with other people where you've seen them do the same stuff, it just feels a lot easier to, mm. I don't know, it, 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 like you said, it's, it's that thing of not feeling alone with it. I think yeah. you feel like you're the weirdo who's in the corner and doing something that no one else is or ever has done, you're a lot more likely to hide it, whereas I think for me, actually, knowing people that had done the same that felt a lot more natural so i think that whole like um buddy system we've been talking about and having people just to talk you through what they've been through um makes you feel a lot more normal and a lot less i think brilliant um some brilliant stories there and lots of memories of of my diagnosis as well and, and hopefully that lots of people listening to this will will have will relate to, to some of what we've said um we mentioned there i think we we all agree that tdfc has had a massive impact on us um being more open about being diabetic so first question for you both how did you find out about tdfc uh a bearded man called john peach um dropped me a message on facebook i think um saying something like strange question <laughs> am i right in thinking you've got diabetes and that you play futsal maybe as well yeah that was it yeah yeah um so i used to play with peachy for woody's fc briefly in bristol um i think between 
I moved from like Sheffield to London and I played for Willie's a bit in between. And I was back in London at the time and then Peachy um, dropped me that message. And uh, yeah, I thought, oh, this sounds interesting. So um, so I played with your brother-in-law for a couple of years yes. as well. Yeah, uh, infamous. Yeah, um, he passed me once. <laughs> <laughs> I've said um, I played against him last weekend and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he scored a header. You had your, um, Peachy had his um, testimonial. Yeah. Oh, I saw yeah, this, got, yeah, yeah. yeah. Finally, they finally retired me. How many turned, it was quite a big ticket, wasn't it? Oh, I think there were, well, we had to limit it because it was the same day yeah, as sure. the, uh, Europe, um, the, yeah. the, the, the final, the so final. Yeah, it was, uh, oh, right. I think most of them had gone to Wembley or, right, okay. yeah, I think there were seven people watching. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, uh, no, it was, it was nice. crowd than the Rovers game. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we're not talking about that. But I, I scored a free kick. So. Oh, damn. That's all we need to talk about. Was that double your goals, Hallie? Yeah, the, it was. Yeah, it genuinely career. did. Yeah. <laughs> How far out was that free kick? 25 yards. Serious? Yeah. Nice. nice. No, bottom corner. Nice. Yeah. Sneaky one while they were uh, building the wall and the keeper was the other side. <laughs> Took it quick. That's the way to do it. Yeah. Clever. Absolutely. Switched on like that. Yeah. Anyway, let, let's go back. No, yeah, I, I yeah. like talking about my, my goals. <laughs> no, it, no, no. It's not my goal, sorry. But um, yeah, so I'd contacted you. But that's interesting that you it's, remembered because I don't know yeah. how, how would you have known, do you think? So, so I think that it's from, because uh, we weren't even friends on Facebook, but it was, I think it was, yeah, it was still not really. Um, but it was from playing, I think playing with you, and I'm sure through chatting to Dave, your brother-in-law. Yeah. That conversation—it's come up in conversation somehow. Yeah, okay. like, I never remember being in the changing room and seeing you inject or seeing you test or anything like that, which is why I was—I was a bit like, well, "Does this?" Yeah, and I think I put something like, "If the answer to any of these is no, just delete yeah. the message and we'll never chat again" or something like that. But yeah, um, yeah, no, that's funny because it's one of those ones where it appears in your like, um, you know, like might be a, a fake message on. Facebook messenger. So um I think that was probably a few months before the first training session already. Yeah. So I think I think at that point Bright had just had the idea of trying to put together a GB futsal squad. Um yeah. And I thought well I might have a chance of that. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was that was me. Yeah, so for myself as another another siren goes by in the ghetto. Honestly. Uh, <laughs> it's like every ten minutes. Um yeah, so for myself it was um I think it, I was just at a point where um I'd kind of got I was having quite good control of my diabetes, but I was just looking I was just looking to kind of better that control to do with like involving my sport. Um, so I was just kind of bored one night on Twitter, really, and I was just sort of searching um, for accounts or people or athletes um, with diabetes or accounts that kind of explain diabetes and sport, you know, just blindly searching, basically. Kind of went down a little bit of a rabbit hole um, and found um, the Diabetes Football Community Twitter page. Um, and I think this is sort of very early on in TDFC's kind of history. Um, so I kind of thought, well, you know, it had a brief explanation in the bio, like um, sort of about raising awareness and playing, 
playing football uh, with diabetes and stuff. So I thought I'll give that a follow and just see what pops up in the future. Um, and then, yeah, so followed it, didn't really think any, any more of it. And then a couple, maybe a couple months, I think, after I first followed it, a tweet popped up um, sort of introducing the idea of trying to form a, a UK uh, diabetic futsal squad. And if anyone was interested to sort of drop a message or like fill out a little form yeah. about yourself <laughs> and um, send it off. So I thought, well, it won't hurt to do that. So did that, sent it off. Um, and that, yeah, that was where it started really. And just messaging back and forth with Chris, obviously. Um, giving me details about the first training session and things like that um, up at Worcester, which is from here in Bristol. Yeah, we're pretty lucky. Enough. Yeah, it's only sort of straight up the motorway. It's so an hour, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and that was where it started, basically. So let's take you back to that first session and... I remember that me and JT shared a lift and we were just chatting there on the way. Um, my knowledge of futsal was very limited. By very limited, I mean pretty much non-existent. Um, and yeah, ju just chatting about what and thinking about what, what were your expectations of the day? What were your thoughts about um, what was going to be ahead? Good. Question. I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I I probably just took it at my stride a bit. I think the main. I remember going into the. We've got obviously we've got the facilities at Worcester, which are great. So we've got kind of sports hall, and then we had a little um, went up some stairs to a little kind of like classroom or sort of um, conference room or something where we all had a little meet up before we went down to play. And yeah, I mean that that always it feels a bit funny when you meet people for the first time and you're thinking, you know, who's this guy? Do we have anything in common? And I, I don't know. Probably right at the beginning, it felt a little bit little bit awkward but within like five minutes you just yeah you, you kind of you feel like you've definitely all got something in common you realize that um yeah you're just you're all going to get on quite well and then i think the thing that makes a massive difference is just playing together to be honest mm -hmm. i think as soon as we started doing that and got into the sports world and I, that's that's for me the thing i love about sport is it it really does like bring people together in a way that you know sitting down and having a chat about the stuff it doesn't always do the same because you just yeah you've shared an experience together and you feel like you you know people really quickly so i'd say for me yeah the whole day i think um by the end of it you did feel you felt quite a big bond with a lot of people there and yeah that was that was a little bit about i remember it yeah i kind of echo a lot of what you've just said um i didn't really know what to expect really when i was on the drive up there you know um i'd never played futsal before i played five a side like a lot of people do um so thought there's going to be some similarities between it. Um, didn't really know a lot about it. Uh, but yeah, echo a lot of what JT said, sort of turning up into the kind of little classroom where there was a little uh, PowerPoint going on and things like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's kind of like that first day at school feeling, you know, yeah, where you, yeah, just, yeah, you, don't, right. you don't know anyone, you, you, you know, you're kind of thinking, walking in, sort of, impressions of people like are they gonna like me am i gonna like them um who am i gonna have things in common with yeah. um but like you said everyone there had one massive thing in common which was being diabetic and playing football so so two things two things <laughs> you can tell i'm not very good at maths but yeah like you said it was as soon as we got down on the court and we started doing um you know 
drills and things like that and you start chatting to people whilst you're playing yeah. um i feel like the ice was immediately broken between pretty much everyone there really yeah. and by the end of it it felt like we'd all known each other way longer yeah. than the two hours that, that we had yeah. um so yeah it was and i yeah i guess i just remember um on the drive home feeling like quite refreshed in a way like it was something that i'd never done before was go and play with i can't remember how many people were there but however many other diabetics um i'd probably never even been in the same room as that many yeah. people with type 1 diabetes yeah. before so it was it was something completely different but it kind of felt like why have why hasn't this happened before do you know what i mean yeah. it, it cuz one thing I remember as well is conversations that everyone was having. Um, the whole time it was there was always conversations bubbling up about testing, about dosing, like what do you do before training, like wash your levels. And these are conversations that I never really had playing football before. I'd never really talk about my diabetes playing football. I'd do what I needed to do to deal with it, make sure my sugars were good, make sure I'm taking correct dosages, but it was all on me. And at this session, yeah. everyone was openly discussing it in a footballing environment, yeah, yeah. which is something that, yeah, has never happened before. So yeah, I just remember that feeling sort of quite refreshing. I think for me, that moment where Brighty said, right, let's all go and, all go and check your sugar levels. And it wasn't that um, very few people had the Libras or the Dexcoms then. So it was a lot of, finger pricking but just seeing everyone like done a warm-up or i think it was probably even before we'd started and just seeing everyone there finger pricking blood oh that's what it is it was it was like a wow this is quite quite powerful because there was no 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 one was trying to hide it no one was doing it subtly in the corner um not, not that i was aware of anyway some people might have still been a bit nervous and worried about it but for for lots of people that have been in that changing room environment where um you, you sort of in the corner just going quick test or like, like you mentioned earlier doing your injection in the car or your blood sugar in the car before the game it was it, it was for me that was one of the most powerful things just going everyone's here everyone's checking their blood sugars everyone here's diabetic and they're enjoying playing football yeah but that's that's what i mean when i sort of mentioned earlier like being in that kind of like safe and open environment surrounded by other diabetics all doing the same thing as you you know that sort of pretty quickly like rubbed off on me yeah. and I started to be like that outside of TDFC as well like even talking about when you when you go out to restaurants and things for a long time I would go to the toilet yeah. to inject and so the most unhygienic or, place yeah, in the restaurant exactly or, exactly the same or I'd kind of you yeah. know slip down sort of under the table yeah. a little bit and just sort of discreetly Real get it in my stomach yeah. but you know now it's I, I don't, yeah I, I, yeah it's it's weird like Look I, at me <laughs> I don't really I don't really care who sees me doing it you know I'll put my pens on the table yeah. and my needles on the table and you know that's just how it is now yeah. um so i definitely feel that like being introduced to an environment where you don't feel like you need to hide it everyone's open about it has definitely rubbed off on me outside of tdfc as well for sure yeah
the other thing that just made me think of when you said that was that you'd never been in a room with that many people with diabetes before and I think for me that was exactly the same it's for a good reason I didn't want to be in a room with a lot of people with diabetes because like, it wasn't something that I wanted to celebrate it wasn't something that for me was like hey great I've got diabetes it was like a, that's a part of my life that is there but I don't like it so I'm just going to try and kind of not focus on it whereas actually you get me to go and play sport that I love and there's a chance to represent the country that's something that you know I think I'm excited by that, and yeah, then yeah. from that, we've suddenly got this, actually, like, we're all together, we've got something in common, and you then find it incredibly helpful to actually, like, chat through a lot of the struggles that you've got, or the things that you're trying to work out the answers to with a group of people who've got the same things they're trying to work out uh, every time they play sport as well. So we've mentioned there a, a little bit um, about the Die Euros as well, so two veterans, two tournaments for both of them, um, got the most capped player, haven't you, Rosser? I think he is. Is he? he no, I can't be. Variety, I reckon you've played every game, haven't you? Not I, many. Have. Mm, yeah, I guess I have. Yeah, I guess. But... Wait, Zach, Zach's played every game. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, I think those guys have got more minutes yeah, yeah, under yeah. their belts. But um, yeah, I guess there's a few of us who have uh, played every yeah. game. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Whoa. So we're we with royalty now, JT. <laughs> look, right. at him, look at him sat there. Um, so any any um, knowledge of what Die Euro was before you went? What did when when um, Brighty talked about we're going to go to this this competition? It's called Die Euros. Any knowledge of to, as, as to what it was? Being honest. No, <laughs> no, no idea. <laughs> so, so what were your thoughts about it? And you, you, you knew you were going to this competition that was um other diabetic futsal countries playing in what were your jt what was your first um thought when you were told you you're in the squad um i was i mean i was excited to play i think yeah i mean i probably i thought i thought it'd be a very good standard to be honest with you like i know there's a lot more futsal played in eastern european countries and generally kind of other parts of europe so southern europe as well um and i was thinking this will be decent. I was pretty excited to play. I think that was the main thing for me, just like thought of playing in a, you know, stadium, people watching stadium, but you know, like there was, it, it, it felt like a, a spectacle, I guess that's the way to put it. And it felt like you're a part of something that was quite significant. Um, yeah. And I, 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 for me, it was just, I love playing at a good standard and being tested and seeing how you get on. So that was the stuff that I was probably both very excited about and quite nervous about as well. But, yeah, those are kind of my thoughts. I, th I thought it would be a decent event, and it, and it was. Yeah, so from my point of view, I was, like I said, I didn't really know much about it. Um, but kind of as soon as it was kind of on the radar, sort of did a bit of like digging online and just looking around the subject and things and sort of um, seeing past tournaments and how long it had gone on before it had been introduced, like in terms of like a UK team joining. Um, and yeah, just remember being quite surprised at the standard, thinking like, this is serious. Like, this is not just kind of a meetup for diabetics. This is actually like a kind yeah, yeah. of competitive, quite serious kind of people go there to win. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, um, And sort of diabetes is obviously involved, but it's not the main focus. Um, well, it is, but the focus people go there yeah, want to win them. yeah it's really competitive um and i guess like the idea of just 
playing that kind of tournament format in a foreign country um, against other teams from other nations was something that I was really looking forward to. Um, as I said earlier, I had never really had much exposure to futsal before. So to sort of be involved in a tournament format that lasted, you know, the whole week with a rest day and um, group games and things like that, um, that was really kind of exciting for me. Um, and yeah, like JT said, just to kind of test yourself on court against some some pretty established teams um, was, yeah, really exciting to be fair. So for me, that the first tournament, I, I, I didn't go to Bratislava, but playing in Kiev, that first game, singing the national anthem, for me, that was absolutely huge. Um, and I think I've said it before, I don't really remember too much about the first game because it all sort of came and went quite quickly. How was that um, the, the, the first game experience for you when you step out onto that court representing your country? How did that feel? Yeah, I mean, I, I, so I, I was captain for the first game that I went out and that I think I was brooking it, honestly, because I think I felt... Like I do, I was I was probably assuming like Brighty would do that, and then I found out, I can't remember how much before, but I, it just suddenly gave me this whole sense of feeling like um, responsibility. And then before that, I was I was bricking it anyway, so it just kind of added to it. So I think when I walked out, I was just, I was just feeling really nervous, probably. And I think for most of the first game, I remember feeling that way, just because you, yeah, you're aware like there's there's quite a lot of people watching there. Um, it feels like a proper tournament you've got the national anthem yeah. and everything and that so that yeah like i guess a big sense of like honor excitement but also yeah like just feeling um pressure and i think that i'd say is what I, that's in a weird way what i love because i think for me i'd always wanted to be a professional sportsman like you know, yeah that <laughs> hasn't happened but like that there's a sense that's the most i've ever felt like i was in that kind of an environment and i think actually having to perform when you're under pressure was really exciting for me. So that was part of all of that experience that I was lapping up. But at the same time, probably feeling like that was one of the times I've most been in that environment um, where it felt even to, well, wanting to perform well under pressure. That's, that's how I remember it. Yeah, yeah I, I remember being pretty nervous, um, you know, all in the changing room before going out. Um, you know, you look around the changing room and, looking at how other people are dealing with it yeah, like yeah, some yeah. people are getting themselves psyched up like tim in the corner getting himself <laughs> buzzed head the wall <laughs> i'm joking but um yeah some people are just trying to stay really calm others sort of getting themselves psyched up everyone's sort of frantically checking their their glucose to make sure they're sort of at the optimum kind of level and yeah just really quite nervous walking out I think the first game I played um I wasn't starting which looking back I don't know if that was better for me or worse because I've always felt I get a feeling of uh the nerves in the lead up to the game but I'm sure a lot of people can relate as soon as that game kicks off and you have your first touch or you make your first tackle or whatever it is it kind of all just goes away um, not completely, but it eases, doesn't it? Um, and the fact that I was sort of sat on the sideline thinking, when am I going to be coming on? What's the score going to be when I come on? Yeah. Am yeah, I, yeah. You know, what am I going to have to do to make a difference in this game? Like, 
the waiting on the sideline yeah, yeah. kind of made me more and more and more yeah, nervous. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it was yeah, it was, re- it was brilliant. Um, like you say, the pressure. You did is... felt because it was hot. You're in a like oh, in a big size sports hall. Yeah. There's two seating areas. You've got people looking down from above, and then you've got a massive roof seats on the other side it was absolutely boiling yeah got all the country's flags on one side so i think all of that it's just this sense of and and also to be fair the first game we played was against italy um they've got probably is that fair to say the best national anthem it's i I, I definitely think so yeah Um, (laughs) Yeah. and they they went for it and then they were fully you know you're playing countries where some countries are kitted out in a kit that they've made but other countries are actually just wearing their national shirt so again italy you're all fully kitted out we knew that they had a number of players that played at a very high level as well and so i think just all of that adds to this sense of like we've just assembled like five six weeks ago two of us have played futsal before and we're now about <laughs> to play like a yeah. very very good side yeah definitely and i think that's where a lot of the nerves came yeah, from like yeah. are we going to get an absolute spanking yeah. Here? yeah 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 and and it looked like we think we were initially and then we kind of we brought back into we grew it. into it yeah i think a lot of you know the start of the game was a bit kind of erratic, wasn't it? Everyone was just really nervous, I think it's fair to say. For sure, yeah. Like, um, it takes you a bit of time to get used to it. Like you say, the heat in there was incredibly hot. Yeah. Like, loads of people watching in a sort of quite close, confined little arena in there a sports were, hall. There were drums. There were drums and everything. <laughs> like, it was really loud in there, you know, called, like trying to call for the ball and communicate with your team. Yeah, yeah. It was no, quite it's... challenging at times. And... Um, going off on a bit of a tangent, it was quite interesting to see how other teams dealt with that. Like the, Port- uh, the Portuguese guys would like whistle at each other yeah, yeah. to call for the ball, and yeah. you know, so all these teams had had already they were all quite established. They already had sort of like coping mechanisms to deal with the conditions and things like that. Whereas we were a bit kind of not rabbits in a headlight, but right at the start, it was all new to us. It was it was a proper battle of fire because we just I think other countries there were seventeen countries there. Now, I think we. We'd flown in the night before, so we'd literally just woken up and then we had our first... We had a training session and then a match, I think, that afternoon. And so it was all just kind of new, whereas we felt like other teams had both been to other tournaments before. They'd been at the kind of venue for longer. They'd seen other teams play. And I think for us, it was all kind of like, right, we just turned up and we're suddenly in this environment where we don't, we really don't know if we're going to perform okay or whether we're actually going to really struggle. So I think... Yeah, it was a lot to deal with, sort of mentally, yeah, wasn't it? 100%. Definitely. Um, people talked about like the physical side of the tournament because it was quite demanding, you know, like yeah, yeah. Um, games sort of every day, and you know, not a lot of rest time sometimes between games and things like that. And um, so yeah, there was a few injuries and fatigue and stuff like that. But I think like the mental side of it as well was quite challenging. Um, for me anyway like dealing with everything that was going on like even being away from home with all these people that you've you've met a couple of times but you don't you don't necessarily know these guys really well so it was it was a week of kind of getting to know everyone as well as dealing with all the stuff that comes with playing in an international tournament um the whole the whole idea of you know trying to control your diabetes um, over a span of a week where you're playing day in, day yeah, yeah, out, doing training cool. sessions in the midday heat. Because um, it, it was hot. You know, right? finding your way around to the, to the arena and back and yeah. where, to, where to buy the foods that you need, the drinks that you need, finding the shops where you could stock up on 
you know, protein bars or sports drinks, water, water you know, there's a, a hell of a lot going on in that week. Um, I packed about 50 uh, cereal bars, if I remember rightly. Yeah. <laughs> I got rinsed by everyone. So I just opened my luggage and it was just like cereal bar central. But yeah, no, I think, yeah, there's that. There's just, like I said, just a lot to take in. I think that was both exciting, but also, yeah, mentally, it's a lot of us. Uh, yeah, but overall, really enjoyable. I, I got back from the, from the tournament. Um, yeah, just feeling like that was a brilliant thing to do. And um, I know, Peachy, you sort of uh, asked the question asked the question to us earlier, like what keeps, what kept you coming back to be involved with TDFC? Um, and yeah, just that feeling after the tournament coming back, it was like, that was brilliant. Um, I'm definitely going to be staying involved with this group yeah. of people. Yeah. So, sure. so going on to the second tournament, um, you two were, were part of the first uh, group of names. There were, um, I think it was, it was six of you who were announced as being going to Kiev, and, and you two were part of that. Yeah, yeah, so you, you, you had cemented it. your place. Yeah, I forgot it was kind of done like that, actually. Like yeah. Jimmy. I got Jimmy, Jimmy Anderson. Who did you get? Oh, yeah, I was as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think the best people had Jimmy Anderson, I didn't think, they? I think so. Yeah. JT, um, second tournament slightly different for you, sadly. Yeah. Um. I remember the training session before we, the week before we went. Um, I think you and me had driven up there. We'd stayed in oh, yeah, yeah, somewhere that oh, the, the weirdest <laughs> hotel that was very faulty towers. Yeah. <laughs> um, the night before, and then um, sadly, injury struck. Yeah, I mean to be fair, to be fair, if we go back to Bratislava, I think I don't know if you remember this, Russell, but I was like, I was taped together. I think I'd had a few, I'd had a few niggles, and that's the first I've probably played for quite a while. So yeah, I think I, I'd got used to playing with being like, am I going to be all right? But I, I'd broken my foot February two thousand and nineteen, um, playing in a futsal match, and this was the first time I'd basically planning to get back for um, Kiev. And yeah, I, I didn't know whether I would be all right or not. Um, and the last training session, I just I tried pushing it. I put proper weight through my foot, and it just I felt it snap straight away. So I knew, yeah, at that time that I was pretty sure I wouldn't be able to play. But it was gutting, yeah, like really hard to take that. Uh, so yeah, I guess just for me then, I didn't know if I'd still be going. I think I had a chat with Brighty and Harley, and they they said they still wanted me to go, which was um, yeah, again like really like amazing to hear that. Um, but it, it for me it was a sudden quite a shift in mindset and I think honestly yeah like I'd be lying if I didn't say when you're going there part of what you're thinking about is your own performance and you, you're excited by the idea of playing well scoring goals all that kind of thing yeah, yeah. suddenly that's all completely gone and your role is more um, supporting other people and um, yeah I think, I think for me it's you're still trying to work out how you have a positive impact but I think for me, you're, and, and I know it's not just for me for having spoken to others, the, the role that you then played was um, was huge. Um, and actually you're... The butt of the jokes. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to mention those. How is your art teaching anyway? Yeah, yeah, no, it's still going strong. Thank you. Um, but the, 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 the way you just, um, you take people to one side and have a little word in their ear, you were a, 
you were a massive encouragement for me and, and, and just talking to me about improving my game and, and, and little things to do. And just like when, when I was waiting to come on, um, just, yeah, just little things you'd say for me. I know it's no consolation for, for not playing, but I know I've said it before, but yeah, I don't think you can underestimate the role that you had on the, on the team there in, in terms of the, the, the training session that, that you put on in, in terms of just the, the, those little bits of encouragement and, and, and still inspiring others there. Yeah, I, I agree. Because um, I don't know if you remember, but obviously when, I can't remember how long before the tournament it was that you decided that you weren't going to be playing, you were just sort of yeah. going to be going in a, in a coaching sort of capacity. Uh, and it was kind of, you kind of sprung it on me that I, then I'd be potentially... Like being the pivot yeah, and yeah. I was going hang on a minute <laughs> I, I haven't played I haven't played pivot um yeah. I've usually played anchor or or out wide um so we met up didn't we on Gloucester Road and sat in a pub for a oh, couple yeah, of yeah, hours yeah. um you brought your little whiteboard along with your magnets <laughs> and right. you know we were sat there sat there with our drinks just going going through um set plays and yeah, yeah, you know positioning and everything Brilliant. um because obviously I hadn't had a lot of experience playing that position i felt i had to kind of get a grasp from the man who usually does play that position so yeah you helped me help me a lot kind of um sort of cement cement those basics before we went and um yeah obviously when we were out there too sort of um always in my ear telling me where i needed to be and what what my role was so yeah yeah definitely we were at a wedding together as well yeah, that's right. Yeah, you wanted to stay, and I had to drag you away, so <laughs> so we didn't miss the flight. Was he dancing? Again? He was. He was. Yeah, terrible. <laughs> so um, yeah, just just thinking about not not just the the futsal, but being away with lots of other diabetics and um, sharing a room with them, all going down for breakfast together. Um, how was? How was that as a as an experience as a as, as an eye opener for you? Who did you both share rooms with? Can you remember? I was, I was with Bam the first time and Brighty the second, but we had a, like we had one of those rooms in Bratislava where they were they basically opened into each other, so it was like a, it was like a double kind of like an adjoining room, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Me and Toby in there. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah, I've room with Toby um both both tournaments. To be fair, nice. yeah. It's, Super chilled guy like me, so I think, think there, we work quite well together. <laughs> um, was it, I don't know. You were. I swear there was someone who sort of moved into our room at one point. I, I can't really remember, but it's probably Jack coming back, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Jack was like, we uh, all remember. Uh, after he'd moved his bed and got told off. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but to be honest, it was that kind of thing. We say that, but actually, you didn't. In a nice way, you didn't kind of know a lot of the time who was in these rooms because everyone was just moving rounds amongst each other's rooms the whole time and you, you did very quickly you had that sense of just like um being in it together like yeah it was, it was good it was fun um it was, we were in a good little university accommodation <laughs> the first um and then yeah kiev kiev was like a bit luxury wasn't it yeah. compared to bratislava i'd say yeah but uh still left a lot to be desired if i'll put it that way um, yeah so no it was i remember it was a lot it was hot Bratislava. Wasn't Very, it? In, yeah. In the accommodation, it was, yeah, we, um, but it was just, everyone's windows were open the whole time, like, yeah, it was just, you were really struggling in the heat, um, wherever you were, but, um, yeah, 
that's some of some of what I remember from it. Yeah, and um, in terms of like going down for for breakfast and stuff, obviously at the accommodation we uh, they they put on kind of breakfast for us, and um, you could get lunch or I think dinner as well. You could sort of choose meal tokens. One. Yeah, that's right. We got given meal tokens. Um, but yeah, breakfast was kind of the main one that all the teams would come down for breakfast. So, you know, you'd walk into the um, the kind of dining hall and each team would have a table, you know, so you'd kind of walk in and get, stare, get, out, the yeah, stare out the opposition <laughs> for the day and they'd sort of stare you out. And um, But I mean, we made we made sort of good friends with some, some of the other teams as well. So it was like a nice... Um, nice time to sort of greet them and ask them about their game and you know what what were they doing and um, yeah just I talked about earlier being in a room or like a sports hall training with the UK team and sort of talking about how I'd never been in a room with that many diabetics and then you go to the tournament yeah, yeah. and then suddenly you're in a massive dining hall with however many teams like fifteen, yeah, fifteen to seventeen other teams from around Europe, all with diabetes as well. It was just kind of that next level, yeah. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm, aware of sort of conversations that happen between like our team and sort of teams from Ukraine, for example, and conversations going on about um, the healthcare systems in each country. So it's kind of that next level of kind of awareness and like education about well how do the ukrainians deal with diabetes yeah, yeah. in their country and um how do the portuguese guys how do they go about getting their insulin and it just gives you like a more rounded picture of kind of what's going on in terms of diabetes as well yeah. which i think was really good and you we've, we've struck up a lot of friendships with um groups from other countries as well and that, i think that's always yeah that's just a big part of diabetes as well i think is that it's really nice because it's very competitive but also you do you get to know um people with diabetes from other countries and yeah it's just um it's all part of that kind of tournament feeling i guess yeah i mean, I mean one thing that um talking about the the dia euro feeling yeah. you like to call it um was like you know the the day where we went to the castle on that little oh, train yeah, yeah, do you yeah. remember and in our white t-shirts that's right and then like the portuguese guys like hanging out the back with their speakers oh, yeah, glaring we had, and, um, everyone's everyone's singing along and yeah. like really good atmosphere so like you say as well as the tournament is really competitive um and kind of quite serious but there's also that feeling of like community between yeah. a lot of the teams there as well like yeah, yeah. that one underlying thing in common that everyone's got is diabetes and that yeah. kind of brought the teams together at points i felt which was like really nice and I think one thing we haven't said is that part of the thing that gives you that quite a sense of bond is, is knowing that you're probably going to see these people again in the future quite a few times. Like, even as a, as a team, I think, the first training session, thinking we'll probably see each other, like, a lot of times in the yeah. future. And then similarly, at the Diorit, there's teams there that you reckon there's a good chance you'll be coming back to the same tournament for quite a few years. Um, you know, that's it's nice. It feels like there's there's a potential for some actual, you know, um, genuine friendships there that is pretty unique. Yeah, I think that that sums it up. I think you summed everything up there perfectly. Um, JT Rossa, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think we could have gone on for much longer than we have. Um, hopefully, we've given people a a good insight into a little bit about 
about di euros about tdfc um i think i love the the talking about the the diagnosis and just your different experiences of it so massive thank you for your time yeah no worries Pete. Well, that's it for this episode. And we just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who has tuned in. And don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast on whichever platform you're listening to us on. And whilst you're there, if you could rate and review us, that will help us and the show to reach more people. Whilst if you'd like to get in contact with us about any ideas or thoughts for the show, send us an email about the Diabetes Dugout to the Diabetes Football Community at gmail.com or head to the website www.thediabetesfootballcommunity.com for more information about our project. Thanks for joining us and tune in next time for more stories, inspiration and information about diabetes in football.